Welcome to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages every week. These powerful messages are sure to inspire you and keep you on track. Whether it's our late founder, Pastor Wayman Mitchell, or any of your favorite fellowship leaders worldwide, including Pastors Joe Campbell, Paul Stevens, Mark Olson, Tom Payne, Harold Warner, Richard Ruby, and many more, get ready to hear from God through this message. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Haggai, Minor Prophets in the book of Haggai, chapter 1. I want to minister to you for a few minutes from this passage of Scripture. I was inspired in uh, this uh, sermon, uh, actually, by a book uh, called The Tipping Point. And uh, just uh, one idea that triggered my uh, thinking out of it, and as I uh, was pondering the works of God, The Tipping Point, uh, there's a book being written by that. It's not a fantastic book, but it's probably worth reading. But if I could put it in simple language, the tipping point is that magic moment when an idea or a trend or a social behavior crosses a threshold, it tips and becomes the watershed, giving direction and momentum to a movement or group or an idea, ultimately causing a sea change or a paradigm shift shaping the course of events in history. There is biblical precedent for that idea that I want to minister to you for a few moments. And I want to look into the Bible to see where the Bible has some underlying principles and teachings whereby you and I in this conference can go from this week with a momentum and with a spiritual dimension that will carry us on to the things of God. There's a parallel here in the text that we want to read. And uh, what we see is a key, and that key is uh, men triggering God's uh, purpose uh, in the earth. Haggai 1, first chapter, verse 1, follow with me. In the second year of King Darius... In the sixth month, uh, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came to me, to, to, uh, came by Haggai, the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built, Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Then just briefly, two verses in chapter 2, 18 and 19. Consider now, from this day forward... From the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. Is the seed still in the barn? As yet the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree 
have not yielded fruit, but from this day I will bless you. I want to preach to you for a few minutes, if I could, this evening on the subject, the tipping point. First of all, I want to point out to you uh, our insensitivity to God's uh, time. God has a blueprint. Uh, God has a uh, plan. God has a calendar, and God has a clock. And as you begin to look into the Word of God, you will find that this is very clear. Nine times the Bible says very clearly from the foundation of the world. And he says that very clearly in the Scripture. And the Bible is a history that in spite of all that the devil's scheming, in spite of all of man's failure and frailty, that God is moving towards that agenda. And Jesus said very clearly, my father works and I work. But you see, the difficulty is that believers historically have always confused their priorities in the principle of life. Look at the text is there. And the text very plainly says, these people says, it's not time to build the Lord's house. Now think about that for a moment. Verse 2, thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, this people says the time is not come. The time that the Lord's house should be built. Is time for you, yourselves, verse 4, to dwell in your panel houses and the temple to lie in ruins. Now think about that for a moment. Because God moved upon a pagan king. He moved in the land of Babylon. And he moved in that land, in that pagan king's heart. And he moved that this pagan king facilitated Ezra coming back, Nehemiah coming back, um, and as he facilitated that, it was for the specific purpose uh, of building the house of God, uh, restoring the temple, which was God's uh, testimony uh, in the city uh, of Jerusalem. So we have a principle here, and that principle Jesus underlined, we not want to consider for a moment, uh, because we always have an insensibility uh, to God's uh, time. Jesus said in Matthew 16, verses 2 and 3, He answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the day is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. Jesus spoke very clearly and says, this is kairos, this is fixed turning points in God's working and in human history. And he said, you're great weather forecasters, but you can't discern what it is that God's doing. You're insensitive to his time. When we ignore God's time... And uh, when we begin to set our own course uh, and we ignore God's time, uh, then we set uh, a course uh, that is deadly uh, and many times is irreversible both for individuals uh, and for nations. In the Gospel of Luke chapter 19, Jesus said uh, in verses 42 and 44, If you'd known, even in this your day... Uh, uh, your uh, enemies uh, will surround you 
and they will close in on you on every side and, and they will level you and your children within you to the ground because you did not know the time of your visitation. See, we have a responsibility as individuals and we have a responsibility as pastors and leaders. We have a responsibility as churches and, and that is to find out what it is that God is doing. Can you say amen? You see, most of the church world is just simply involved in religious activity, but we have an individual responsibility to find out what it is that God is doing and go with him. I want you to know that every twitch is not God moving. I remember some years ago, what was it, 1997, the great Pensacola, Brownsville, Toronto insanity laid hold and uh, some of our pastors were gripped by that. I want to tell you that uh, fads, God's not really impressed with fads. God isn't uh, really impressed with our looking for the latest book or the latest conference where we're going to find uh, some kind of a, a secret or some kind of key. And I remember when uh, that uh, insanity laid hold uh, of our fellowship. Uh, I didn't know a lot about what was going on, but God spoke to my heart. Uh, I had no evidence. I knew nothing. I just had a witness of the Spirit. This is not God. And I took a stand against it. Uh, I took a great deal of assault, uh, a great deal of accusation, uh, and uh, so on and so forth. In Charisma Magazine this month, uh, the great prophet, J. Lee Grady, makes a, a statement about that. And uh, you remember J. Lee Grady, he's the one that put me in Harold's uh, picture in Charisma Magazine. I mean, we became famous overnight. Uh, infamous, I should say. So he's, uh, he's looking now at this, uh, at this uh, great move of God in uh, Pensacola. And uh, that great move of God split churches all over the world with the so-called moving of God. And uh, he uh, is looking at that. Some of our pastors got caught up in that. They criticized me. I got letters of uh, prophesying my demise uh, from all over the world. And uh, as he's writing about that, uh, he's making a comment uh, was very interesting to me. He's talking about that church. And he says they owe millions of dollars for a building they can't fill. One of the staff members, a former pastor, said people have been leaving for three or four years. And he went on to say that Paul Yonggi Cho, the Korean marvel, stood in that pulpit and said by prophecy, this revival will continue until Jesus comes. I said, every twitch is not God. So he's asking a question, and uh, he's asking that question, and he said, why are so many people who were part of the Brownsville uh, church uh, now hurt and disillusioned? And then he comes to his conclusion that somehow they dropped the ark. No, they didn't drop the ark. It wasn't the ark to start with. <laughs> Jesus said, by their fruit, you will know them. Are you still listening to me? You and I are responsible tonight to be sensitive to God's time. Uh, here God moved upon a pagan king. 
He uh, facilitated Ezra, gave him all the money and all the rights that he needed. He sent back Nehemiah out of his personal cupbearer, and their specific purpose was to build the house of God. And here we find them, and God's bringing this indictment against them and saying to them, you got plenty of time for your own agenda. You've got plenty of time to build your own house, uh, but when it comes to doing my business, uh, it's always not time yet, uh, but that's coming some other time. uh, We're going to do that. Jesus uh, speaks very clearly in the Bible. And as he speaks very clearly, um, he says, uh, I would uh, have, uh, but you would not. Think about that for a moment. Uh, Therefore, this is phenomenal. event transpired last year in the tsunami. Someone was telling me about this, and I, I, this rings bells because I've seen this in nature before. And something happened in Thailand when the tsunami came. There were thousands upon multiplied thousands of people that were going to be wiped out uh, that were on the seacoast uh, and the beach area. But a phenomena happened. And elephants... Uh, who were tethered. If you know anything about elephants, they're trained from a very young age uh, so that all they need is just a little tether around their leg and a little stake, uh, and they'll never try to pull that out. uh, They were trained that way. They don't don't know any better. Uh, An elephant could pull a house down. And so when uh, this tsunami happened, none of the people knew The elephants didn't hear anything coming, but well before that tsunami hit, uh, these elephants jerked their stakes up out of the ground uh, and fled just beyond the reach of where that tsunami would be to safety. Now, how did those elephants know that that tsunami was coming? Because animals sometimes have more brains uh, than human beings. Animals can hear the voice of God, and the tragedy that we have tonight, as we see it here documented in the scripture, is that many times human beings cannot hear the voice of God, and it is a tragedy that we need to note. I want to talk about the tipping point for a moment. The tipping point is not always apparent in life. In the Old Testament, we have a little girl, her name is Rebecca. She's out drawing water one day, and as she's out drawing water, the servant of Abraham has been sent on a mission to find a bride for his son Isaac, and Eleazar, the servant, approaches this little girl and asks her for a drink. She gives him a drink, and not only does she give him a drink, but she also watered all of his camels. Little did she know that in that moment, uh, a tipping point of life was going to happen uh, and she was going to be tapped by God uh, to become uh, the heir and the channel through which uh, the lineage of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, wants to come. Uh, She's going to become the bride of a very wealthy man uh, and the the book of Genesis says these interesting words. uh, They blessed Rebecca and said unto her, You are our sister. Be the mother of thousands of millions uh, and let your seed possess the gate uh, of those uh, who hate them. She stepped into destiny. Listen to me tonight. This little girl stepped into destiny uh, because she simply uh, out uh, of the goodness of her heart uh, made a decision to be gracious to a stranger and to his camels. uh, And when she did that, uh, she stepped into destiny. That's exactly how tipping points uh, 
happen. There's a powerful dimension that we want to consider that is released uh, in a tipping point. What we're talking about is a uh, triggering a watershed move of God. Listen to Haggai 2, verses 18 and 19. Consider now, from this day forward, uh, from the 20th, fourth day under the ninth month, from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider. Think about that for a moment. Here is God, and as God is there, he's speaking to this issue because they did take action, and as they took action, they moved in God's time, and they moved in God's agenda, laid the foundation, and from that moment, they triggered something in a spiritual realm, and God says, consider from this day forward, and he goes on to say, is the seed still in the barn? He says, from this day, I will bless you. Obedience to God's purpose in God's time is how you trigger a moving of God's spirit. Men trigger God. Are you still with me tonight? Men trigger God in his purposes. And as we begin to consider this, the Bible is the history of people who plugged into this wonderful, uh, this wonderful principle. Here's the Apostle Paul. Uh, the Apostle Paul is at Troas on the seacoast of Turkey. He's been ministering. He, uh, he doesn't know exactly what to do. He's been frustrated. The Holy Spirit has redirected him without giving him a clear direction. But it was in Troas uh, when he sees waiting and laying hold of God and saying, God, uh, you've got to show me what to do. When he saw the vision of the Macedonian man, uh, in that one moment, uh, out of that event, uh, Europe opened to the gospel of Jesus Christ and changed the entire course of human history because... Uh, this man uh, triggered uh, the trigger point of God uh, for a move of God. As we begin to ponder that tonight, this has great ramifications uh, for you and I that are here in this building. This changed uh, the course uh, of uh, human history. Here's Peter. He's on a housetop at Joppa. He's just there praying. And as he's there praying, God touches this man. He sees a vision. God gives him some direction. And as he obeys the Lord, little does he know that God has spoken to a man named Cornelius. They're going to knock on his door. They're going to invite him into a place. He's going to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as he does that, it's going to change the theology of the entire Christian world. Listen to Acts 10. 45. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out uh, on the Gentiles uh, also. That changed uh, totally the understanding of the world uh, about where God was going uh, and what he was going to do. As David Marks just told me tonight before the service, we have a worker in Brno, Czechoslovakia. And uh, this is a man we gambled on. He's a Russian. He came out of Russia, came into Canada for a while, had a relationship with uh, Brother Marks in the process of time. Uh, he and his wife called uh, me, and they said, uh, we, we want to go uh, into Czechoslovakia. Uh, we, want to, uh, we want to go there. I sent them in on a survey tour. They made a decision. 
That Brno was where they were going to go. Uh, hasn't been a fantastic work. It didn't just fly off in a flame of uh, a fire. But uh, uh, this uh, young man and woman got desperate. Uh, and they said, God, we've got to have uh, more than just simply holding church. Uh, they touched God, uh, and there is a tipping point happening there. And if I understood correctly, he told me they had 150 people on Sunday morning uh, in Brno, Czechoslovakia. There's a Samaritan woman. This Samaritan woman responded to the Lord Jesus Christ, and it changed entirely the Samaritan understanding of what God will do and of the disciples in their world evangelism. And I want to tell you this evening, sitting this building, there is a Macedonian man. There is a Samaritan woman somewhere waiting for you to respond to the voice of God and begin to put your eyes upon the harvest fields uh, because until you move, uh, you will never know whether that Macedonian man may be your uh, goal by God uh, or that Samaritan woman may be the one that turns the city uh, upside down. Let me read to you again a little quote. Many places uh, uh, in the Bible where there's a point sometimes not immediately visible or realized, uh, that sets the direction and triggers the elements uh, for exponential growth, uh, an avalanche uh, or a sea change, uh, ever gaining in volume uh, and momentum uh, toward an outpouring of of God's spirit uh, in revival. uh, But only those who move for God uh, will ever see that come to pass. uh, But there are people sitting here this evening uh, that God wants to use you as a key. You will never know whether that Macedonian man is there unless you uh, begin to move for God. You'll never know whether that little woman is waiting in some city or in some nation of the world that will become the key of multiplied thousands uh, that Jesus can say to this generation, uh, lift up your eyes uh, and look upon the harvest uh, uh, for the harvest is plenteous, uh, but the uh, laborers are few and say again, uh, the fields are white already uh, to harvest. Uh, You'll never know until you move uh, for God. I want to talk to you for briefly about the blessing uh, of God. You see, the danger that we have, and this is my point tonight, uh, the danger that we have is we make the mistake that we've got it. We've got it. Yeah, we know what revival is. We know, we know how to plant churches. We know all of these things. But you see, the Apostle Paul had an interesting statement to say to you and I tonight. Uh, and in the gospel uh, of, uh, or the epistle, rather, of the Philippians, chapter 3, verse 13, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind uh, and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the mark uh, for the high goal of the prize uh, of the upward call of God uh, in uh, Christ Jesus. Here's the Apostle Paul, uh, a missionary evangelist par excellence a church planter uh, beyond our wildest dreams. Uh, He's successful in ministry, uh, and he uh, says these words, uh, I have only laid the foundation. Can I capture your thinking tonight as you're sitting there to consider perhaps uh, in your church, uh, in your successful ministry, in uh, the uh, success that you have uh, 
Could I just simply challenge you just gently uh, that perhaps you've only laid a foundation? Paul says, I've just, all, all I've done is laid a foundation. But I'm not satisfied with that foundation. I press onward uh, for the goal of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know, the Christian world is so diverted from actually what God has called us to do that when you and I are just idling, they think we're pedal to the metal. Could I challenge you this evening, pastors, you're sitting here? Could I challenge you, individual, with the image of the rich man with the barns and cause you to ponder that perhaps uh, what God has laid in your hand uh, of the resources that he's put into your hand, uh, that is not for your self-gratification, but it is to realize uh, that is for God tonight. Bear with me as I give a correct perspective uh, for a moment tonight. Verse 19, from this day uh, I will bless you. Here God says to you and I that uh, when we begin to discover the place uh, where in our ministry, when in our fellowship, uh, when in our church, uh, or in our individual lives, where he can lay the proper foundation, that is the foundation that he wants us to lay, uh, from that moment uh, he will release. Uh, It's like a watershed. It seems like everything that you do works uh, It is like a grace of God. He puts in agricultural terms and says, look, you haven't been fruitful before, but I want to say to you that from the day that you laid the foundation of the temple, you obeyed me. You started to lay that foundation toward what I had called you to do. From this day forward, I will bless you. Listen to Isaiah 58, verse 11. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought, and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repair of the breach, the restore of streets to dwell in. That is exactly the calling of our fellowship tonight. I've preached it before. God spoke that to me many years ago. We have only laid the foundation tonight. We have only laid the foundation tonight. And there is yet to achieve what God has called us to achieve. Listen, you know, we would be fools to think that this is all God's going to do or this is all he wills to do. He said to Zerubbabel, this is only the beginning. You've laid the foundation now. This is only the beginning. And as he said that in Haggai 2.21, he says, speak to Zerubbabel, uh, uh, the governor of Judah, saying, I will shake heaven and earth. Or in other words, he said, I'm just beginning to do what I am going to do for those who will obey me. And we have a great lesson for Joshua tonight. Joshua 13, verse 1, and 18, verse 3. Now Joshua was old, advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, You're old, advanced in years, and there remains very much land to be possessed. Then Joshua said to the children of Israel, How long will you neglect to go and possess the land uh, which the Lord God of your fathers uh, 
has given you. I was reading a magazine recently. It's very interesting to me. And as I was reading, I was reading about a church leader. I don't know the man, but he's prominent in, in uh, certain Christian circles. Uh, and he has been the leader of a seminary for many years. He shaped many ministries and so on. He was being interviewed, and this interviewer said, uh, I asked if he'd ever seen a bona fide miracle of physical healing. Without a flicker of hesitation, he leaned forward in his chair and said enthusiastically, no, but I'm still hoping. I said, what a tragedy. Are you still with me tonight? What a tragedy that here's a man who his entire life uh, has been involved in Christian ministry and shaping people, informing their opinions, uh, and has never in his entire life uh, seen a bona fide uh, miracle. Those of you sitting in this building tonight, you've seen people come to Jesus by the thousands. Many of you have seen before your very eyes visible miracles uh, that God has done. Uh, think of it tonight. Uh, here we have uh, one of the greatest privileges uh, in time or eternity and is to represent the King of Kings uh, and the Lord of Lords. Uh, and I couldn't help but think about you folks uh, because you have seen miracles. Uh, we have many pastors that are praying for the sick. Uh, little pastor up here tonight uh, in his testimony tells about several dramatic miracles uh, that he's seen in his church. We're seeing miracles. Our new converts are praying uh, for people on the street spontaneously. They know very little about theology, almost nothing, but they have an experience with God uh, and they've been told that God will heal the sick and they're just stupid enough to believe it. Can you say amen? Now we have laid carefully in this fellowship uh, a foundation stone. That foundation stone is the chief cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. The Bible says that other foundation can no man lay. No one who has been a part of our fellowship, at least where I have been, or spoke, or any conferences or churches where I've ministered, have no doubt who we're preaching about is Jesus Christ, Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Can you say amen? He's the one we're preaching about. We have laid carefully that foundation stone, and he is the chief cornerstone. I wonder tonight, as you're sitting here, because we're talking about foundations that are going to trigger for you, God, to move. It's one thing to say, yes, I've read that scripture, Pastor Mitchell. Yeah, yes, I know Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. Yes, I know all about that foundation. It's one thing to know it up here, but it's another thing to possess it down here. And therein lies the problem. Back to our imagery. You have plenty of time for your own agenda. You have plenty of time for your own pursuit. You build your sealed houses. You have plenty of time for your sports. You have plenty of time for your activities. You have plenty of time for your materialism. But do you have time to make Jesus Christ personally, right now, this moment, the chief cornerstone of your life and of your ministry? We live in perilous times. We live in a time, I preached a couple of places, uh, my sermon, wiping Israel on, on, off the map. We have a madman, Mahmoud 
Ahmadinejad. Someone said he needs to be called, I'm going to need a job. <laughs> this man is a demon-possessed ruler of a wealthy nation that is hell-bent on getting a nuclear weapon, and when he gets it, he will use it. Mark my words, when he gets it, he will use it. We could wake up tomorrow with a, an atomic nuclear holocaust. I'm reading, I read a lot, of, a lot of different kinds of literature. Russia and China, they're positioning, they don't want to take any action, and, and uh, all of this is going on while you and I are sitting here, and we forgot, we, we forget that God has a calendar, and God has a clock, and God has a blueprint. We do not have the option or the privilege of saying, well, uh, yeah, when I get around to it, Lord, I, I, I'm going to do that. This man, this demon-possessed uh, ruler of Iran, is trying to and believes that he is the agent uh, to trigger the 12th imam, uh, who is going to be the Muslim Messiah, and that's going to come, he believes, uh, out of chaos in the world, uh, and uh, he's doing all he can to, to trigger it. The tipping point. In the book of Acts, the Bible gives us hope and says our greatest days uh, are yet to come. Listen to these words of the Apostle Paul, Acts 18, 9 and 10. Then the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by vision, be not afraid, but speak and hold not your peace. For I am with you, and no man shall set on you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. Sitting in this building tonight, uh, there are individuals that you have the key, uh, the tipping point. Jesus said there's going to be many, and they're going to say, Lord, 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 Lord. How often do we hear that? But they're not going to do the will of God. I want every head bowed. I want every eye closed. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.